Welcome to Season 5 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My passion is old houses, new technologies, and sustainability. Previous seasons of this podcast have featured many vendors, subcontractors, architects, designers, covering many aspects of renovations and hiring professionals to help. In this season, I'll be focusing on collecting even more renovation stories because we can all learn from each other and I just can't resist talking to people about their houses. In this episode, we have a story about a Pennsylvania limestone farmhouse dating back to 1764 or perhaps earlier. During the pandemic, Taylor and her family made the move from a 1950s split level into their farmhouse, which they affectionately call the money pit. Taylor and her father, Christopher, are old house enthusiasts and spend much of their free time working on projects, big and small, at the money pit. Taylor is currently a student working towards her CPA license and master's in accounting. And Chris is a retired commercial real estate broker. Over the last two years, they've realized it takes a lot of love to save an old house and to honor its previous inhabitants. So here's my conversation with Taylor. Welcome to the show. Taylor, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I remember your account from a few years ago because you're the one who turned me on to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Wasn't that you? That was you. Yes. And then, so that was on my mind for years. And then I finally went this fall and it was um, a very satisfying trip. I was absolutely not disappointed. It was so cute. It was so cute. So thank you for that because that's my, one of my new favorite places. But you don't actually live near there. I always imagine you living near there, but you're near Philadelphia. Is that right? I am one hour south of Jim Thorpe. So I'm oh, about 45 minutes north of Center City, Philadelphia and about an hour south of Jim Thorpe. Okay. So tell me about your house. It's the your in, Instagram name. Is that what they call it? Or is it? Yes. A handle. Yeah. I think handle. it's the name. Anyway, you go by 1764 Money Pit Makeover. Is that? Yes, it is. That kind of says a lot right there. But why don't you tell me a little more about, about your house? So the original portion of the house, the oldest section, is where I'm sitting right now. It's, I think, 17 by 17 square. It's built out of Pennsylvania Fieldstone. It's two stories, and they had a summer kitchen off to my left. This is the the oldest portion and doesn't really retain a lot of the original characteristics of the house. The whole house had been renovated through different periods of time, particularly 1910. 1764 is... The closest date that we could pin down, it's what's carved on the far side of the house. And there are some reports that it could be earlier. I know that the foundation that this part of the house sits on could date as early as 1735 from the original house that was built here from the William Penn Land Grant. The original property dates back to 1730s. The original piece of land um, was sectioned off, I think, in 1698. Mm. And there was a family who lived here. They built this original section and then it was sold in 1798 to the Haig family. And they are the ones who took it from being one room over one room with a summer kitchen to having a huge extension going that way, which is also Pennsylvania Fieldstone. They had seven children living here in this house and it remained in their family for a total of 101 years. Whoa. Until the last two daughters passed away, I think in their 90s, in this house, mm. they, the three daughters never married, and they lived mm. here. 
Okay. All alone for years and years, maintaining the farm. And then uh, there were no heirs. So the house was auctioned, went into the hands of a flipper in about 1905. And then an old time flipper, old time flipper uh, who traded the property, changed hands a lot of times between 1905 and 1915. And Mm. 1915 is when the house was really turned into what it is now. There was another large two story addition put off of the back. And that is constructed differently than the rest of the house. It has a field stone foundation, but then it's framed out with steel, um, which is cool. And then the interior walls and the exterior walls are both concrete over metal lath, which has presented some problems when we had a plumbing leak in that room to have a room built with two inch thick concrete walls and ceilings. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that renovation... They took out all of the walls on the first floor and turned the house open concept in 1915. 1915, wow. Yes. Very bizarre. We have a 40-foot-long room that's 17 feet wide with decorative pilasters on one side of the room that helps to hide the chase for the electrical and the plumbing. Originally, I think they had the chases for the gas lines that powered the gas fixtures up here. And in that renovation, they also put more steel in the house to be able to support the second floor with no walls underneath. Clearly Mm. that's worked well enough because the house hasn't fallen over, but they removed all of the original doors, all of the original trim, the floors, almost nothing original to the 1800 edition remains apart from Mm. the floor joists. So the house was modernized a hundred years ago. And it's kind of interesting to see how the trends that we see today happened a hundred years ago. Hmm. That is interesting. Like what? Like open concept. Open concept and wanting something different than the house that you're currently living in. That's true. Just the idea of, I don't like this old, these old four panel doors and this old wide plank flooring. I want new red oak strip flooring and I want five panel doors. So they took everything out and it's made it kind of difficult to understand this house and how to use these rooms. Because Mm. they went just for what looks modern and new back then. And we have too many windows, not enough walls, and really bizarre rooms with no Hmm. closets. With no closets. Okay. Sounds like an interesting combination. So what are you doing at the house? Are you modernizing it to your tastes? We're trying to put things back to a way that makes sense. So this room that I'm sitting in here, originally was at least two rooms for most of its lifetime. There's a big patch on the floor from where they took out the wall and a big patch on the walls where they they tried to float it, didn't do so well. Um, And this room is kind of the multi-purpose room because there's no way to make it make sense. The only Mm. way to fit, fit a bed is in the dead center of the room. And so there's been discussions of putting a wall back in Because as a lot of Pennsylvania farmhouses are, you have to walk through one bedroom to get to another. Oh, yeah. And that's the issue that we have here is there's two entrances to this room and one entrance to the bedroom over there. And we could put the wall back up and then have two functioning bedrooms that don't have to walk through each other. It seems like a modern concept, not walking through someone else's bedroom to get to your bedroom. Well, it seems that these two rooms here were at one point four bedrooms in total for 
different people that worked on the property and for the children of the owner. Hmm. So it's trying to figure out how to make this building make sense so that in the future, nobody wants to tear it down. How did you get the building or when did you get the house? So we purchased the house in August of 2020. This was after we had sold our house just before the beginning of the pandemic and had a different Pennsylvania stone farmhouse under contract. That fell through because it had serious foundation issues and was sliding off of a mountain. Okay. You're very picky, I can see. I can see you're picky about that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping that maybe we would have one that, that's not sliding off of a hill. So we backed <laughs> out of that deal and sold our house to its new owners in April and took until August to move into this house. Mm. Um, and this house was selected because I was scrolling through Zillow and I was just look, looking at all of the listings and sort of any price range um, and for a house older than 1930. And this house came up and from the pictures, it looked perfect. It looked beautiful and freshly painted and with some updates. And it sits on an acre and a third, which is a really big lot for where we live. So we toured the house and I realized, okay, I can see why it's sitting on the market. It has some quirks, like both of the staircases, you have the really steep back servant stairs, which are deathly with no handrail. Mm -hmm. And the front stairs, which, well, beautiful, and they're a 1915 colonial-style staircase, it only has about five foot six of headroom. Oh, yeah. And most of my family members are over six feet tall. You use a back stair, mostly? They use the front stairs. I use the back stairs to get to my room. And so we looked at the house. It was really overpriced. It had been sitting on the market for a while. It had some quirks. We didn't know the full extent of all of the problems that were going on here and made the lowest of low ball offers to <laughs> the point that the seller's agent said, I'm not even going to present this offer to the seller. Okay. It is so low. Hmm. And we said, all right, we'll just continue on the house search. And then in July, we get a phone call from her saying, will you take the house as is for the price that we agreed upon? And we said, okay. So the house, we got it under contract. We did an inspection, showed some problems, but not the full extent. But I knew, just, I had a gut feeling that mm -hmm. it was a money pit. And we moved in in August. And soon the problems began to arise. I feel like I'm, I feel like you're telling me about a movie. It feels like a movie. I would love to be paid to uh, have endured this. <laughs> I think that there has been a lot of pain and suffering involved in this. The first big project that we encountered once we purchased the house that was missed on inspection was the age and the deterioration of all three of the chimneys on the house. Mm. We bought the house knowing there was only one fireplace that was safe to operate. And we thought, okay, that's fine. We'll get around to them later. And within two weeks of moving in, pieces of plaster in the third floor bedroom had begun to fall off of the ceiling. Mm. And we soon discovered that all of the masonry had deteriorated and there was water infiltration and that this had been going on decades at least. So it took me eight months to find a contractor who would be willing to do all three chimneys. Oh. And that was our first really big project and the first indication that this house was a money pit. 
Yeah, I that is an expensive thing to fix even one chimney. I only had to do one chimney and it was, uh, I thought, excessive. So three chimneys, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, so please tell me now that you have 19 beautiful fireplaces because of it. No, I have three operational fireplaces and they do still need some restoration for the fireboxes themselves. They had been refaced with new fire brick at some point as the chimneys have been relined in the past. It changes the size of the firebox that you need for it to draw properly. So our really big walk-in fireplace, which is original to the house, which is in the room below me, now has brick, which isn't exactly right. And it's modern brick and it's been painted black by the flipper that we bought the house from. So I think one of my near future projects would to be to strip out that brick, put antique brick in, and also remove the stucco that has been put on top of the historic field stone mm. and restore the walk into how it should look. Mm-hmm. So you bought it from a flipper as well. There's been more than one flipper in this house's history. We did buy it from a flipper, and that was probably the biggest mistake out of it all. Mm. Why, why is that? So the house had been owned by one family for 55 years until 2014, which is then when it was sold to the flipper. And I spoke to the agent that sold the house at that point. I've seen the seller's disclosure for when the house was sold then. Mm -hmm. And there were many issues that were disclosed to the flipper that were not addressed and then passed on to me. Without disclosure. Without disclosure such as the chimneys. Yeah. And in my search for a chimney contractor, I tur- I happened to call the contractor that was called 10 years ago to look at the issue and who gave a quote then and he said, "You know, that issue's been going on a really really long time." Oh. I looked at that house. Oh. So, the flipper just happened to omit everything. Well, weird how that happens, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And happened? the flipper had also known about the plumbing leaks in the walls when they'd opened them up to renovate the bathrooms hmm. to put in a Home Depot landlord special, which most of those have now been removed and rehabilitated. But he had just put um, spray foam over the cracks in the cast iron sewer lines in the walls. Don't do that. That's not a tip. That's not a tip for anybody out there listening. No, definitely don't do that. If you know there's a hole in a pipe, or if you even have the cast iron exposed, that is the time to replace it. True. I found that out as well earlier this year. You could stick your finger through. They're looking like these mushroom things were growing out of it, which was just... Yes. Gross. Anyway. Okay. So that's good. So you have new bathrooms and three fireplaces now. Yes. Out of all your labors. Correct. We also have a nearly completed kitchen, which has been, I would say, the most difficult out of all the projects in the house so far. Why is that? So we had originally hired a general contractor to complete the kitchen. Everything was going okay through the demo process. And then he suggested to put radiant floors under my bedroom, which is in the kitchen ceiling. And it turned out that he did not know what he was doing, that he sawed through my floor joists when he shouldn't have, that he was constantly requesting more money, even though less work was getting done. And there was a huge blow up where we said, 
we're not going to pay you until more work is done. And then we had no general contractor after our kitchen had been torn out. You just had a demoed <laughs> kitchen and just hanging joists and, and nobody to help you. Exactly. Okay. Ex- exactly. So I ended up contacting one of the contractors that worked with the general and he agreed to take on the project. And over the course of several months, when he had free time, we eventually got the kitchen done. And I remember from the time that the kitchen was demoed to the time we got countertops and a sink was just about seven months. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. It I mean, was, it's, it's not great. There were it's plumbing, great. plumbing nightmares um, in the process of doing the kitchen and this contractor selling us on the idea of radiant heat floors, he cut out all of the radiators for that section of the house. So not only did we have no kitchen, I also had no heating in my bedroom, my bathroom, or the back stairwell, or the kitchen. Hmm. And this continued for several months, um, as plumbers are difficult to get a hold of these days. That's true. So I finally, finally got radiators put in. And that took until probably about June. Okay. All right. So that wasn't so, uh, but you have a nice kitchen now. It's all done. It's, it's mostly done. Mostly done. I have two cabinet doors that need one coat of paint on them and two drawer fronts that need a coat of paint. And then I'm done. That's, that is almost done. I consider it done when I look at it, when I walk in there, it's functional, it's usable, it's beautiful. And I'm really happy with the choices that we made. Good. Good. Well, that ended happily. And what are you working on now? Everything. All of the time. It's kind of like playing whack-a-mole around here where something breaks and then I have to fix that and it gets me off track of my current project. But in the immediate future, I am working on refinishing a salvage cabinet to go in our butler's pantry. I have the electrician here right now finishing up the electrical for my mudroom. And for the new second floor laundry room that's going in, hopefully I'll get this room addressed. I'll peel the paper off of the walls and skim the room and get it looking better than it is now. There's a big hole in the ceiling over that way and a big hole in the wall over there. <laughs> uh, uh, not on camera, so I can't see it. So as far as I can tell, it's a <laughs> completely... This is the best looking view of this room. Yeah, it looks good. Do you have any advice or anything you've learned that maybe other people could learn from instead of experiencing themselves? Have a really good plumber Mm -hmm. that you trust and that is reliable and that is available. And if you have not yet purchased a house, make sure to have a qualified plumber come in and inspect all of the plumbing before you purchase it. Mm, that's That's a good one. And connected to that, If you live in a house that is connected to public sewer or public utilities, check to see with your home insurance agent if you can get exterior utility line coverage. Mm. So in the event that your cast iron sewer line out to the street breaks, um, you won't be stuck with a $30,000 bill to replace it. Another good one. I assume that happened to you. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. All right. Thinking ahead. Yeah. (laughs) So my insurance agent told me to do after we had the interior pipes break. Mm. He said, you know, it's only $26 a year to get the coverage for the exterior. And I Mm. said, I'm sold. So what do you love about the house? For a while, I did not love the house. For a long time, it was, this is the house we bought. And 
in no way would we be able to sell it in the condition that it is. So all I can do is work on it. And that's changed a lot lately. I love A, the location of it. We're in a really, really lovely town that has a great main street with different shopping, boutiques, a wonderful movie theater. I love that my bedroom looks out onto a valley with a creek Hmm. and that I can't see anybody over on that side. And I also love that other people have loved this house clearly over its lifetime. There's so many different things that have been renovated here and people who have put their own personal touches on the house. And I really appreciate all of the craftsmanship that's gone into that. I'm I'm wondering about the three women who live there, the three sisters. I think about them a lot. And when I go to pick paint colors for rooms, usually I pick the paint color and then I start scraping away at whatever's loose carefully. You know, if it's lead, be careful. Don't get yourself into a big mess. But it turns out that usually I pick a color that's already been on the wall or on the trim. And Mm. so I do take into account the colors that this house previously had. Mm-hmm. And usually colors that the sisters would have had here. Like when we rehabilitated the fireplaces, we found old pieces of um, Victorian style tile, mm. that blue and white, really beautiful speckled tile that one of the sisters would have had to have put into this house that was then taken out at some other point. But leftover tile pieces, we've been finding them in the yard during our grading projects. And so I would love to be able to incorporate that type of tile back in somewhere in this house hmm. in the future. Interesting. Did they work? Do you know anything about them, the women? I don't know a whole lot about them. I do know that they are buried um, at my childhood church. Oh. So I was hoping to go over there and give them a little visit this spring. Um, the entire family, the Haig family that lived in this house and operated the mill on the creek. Um, they're the ones who own the house for 101 years. All of them are buried at the same church. Oh, so okay. I've been hoping that I can go and pay my respects to them and make sure to let them know that I'm doing my best to take care of their house. Oh, that's nice. I thought you were going to say they were buried on the property somewhere. That would be really concerning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would I'd be, be okay bit. with it, but I'd like to know. Right. Right. That's what I said to the, the woman we bought the house from. Is there anywhere I should know about that maybe pets have been buried or somewhere that you don't want me to disturb? Because I want to be respectful, but I also don't want to be surprised when I dig up a skeleton. You know, nobody yes, wants that. I, I think about that a lot because I know that the family who lived here for 55 years, that they loved cats and they loved dogs, as evidenced by the pet stains everywhere and the fact of they're mentioned in the obituaries for them. Um, And I'm sure that there are numerous cats and dogs buried out there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, And I I hope we don't dig them up. I feel the same. Nobody wants to dig up cats, old cats. No. Beloved cats and dogs. The things that I find interesting about this house is the man that decided to open concept it in 1915. He is noted in a lot of the historical newspaper archives around here. I found news clippings about him and about the renovations of this house. Um, Many of the renovations through the different owners were detailed in the Ambler Gazette over time. The Ambler Gazette. The Ambler Gazette, the local newspaper. And their archives go back well into like 1850. Hmm. And so 
there's little clippings about like the Wellens have now worked on their rose gardens or the Wellens have worked on um, the erosion issues that are occurring behind the house along the creek, that they've brought in 80 truckloads of uh, rock and fill Mm. to stop the house from sliding. You know, Mm. of course, I end up in a house that's doing it anyway. Yeah. But he owned the house until 1938. And the last record that I found is that the house had been neglected, abandoned, foreclosed, and went to sheriff's auction. Oh, no. And at at the point that the house went to sheriff's auction, it was noted that the third floor of the house was completely finished with heat, electric, and gas. Um, And we've seen evidence of that there were plaster walls and ceilings up there. but. By the time that the house was purchased by the most recent longtime owner, the third floor was not finished. There's no fixtures up there. There's no heat. There's no walls. Hmm. And so it makes me wonder what happened. It does make you wonder. So he left under mysterious circumstances after a very yes. big renovation in 1938. Mm-hmm. And then the new people were there for 55 years, you said, and they left in 2014. Yeah. So. So there was some years of abandonment in between. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, mean, and I have been un, I've been unable to track um, who purchased the house in 38 when it went to auction or if it was sold at all. Um, there's kind of a gray period there where obviously something happened. We lost all the rooms on the third floor and then it was sold to the Rouse. And they mm-hmm. lived here a long time and their daughter lives actually two streets up. Huh, interesting. Have you ever spoken with her about the house? I haven't yet, mostly because it's been in shambles. Mm, your trying house? to fix all of all of these problems with the house. Mm. We have holes in the living room. We have now holes in my new kitchen from my bathtub flooding. Mm. The brand new kitchen recently. Oh, um, bummer. And Sorry. I don't want to invite her in until it looks good enough. I, I get it. When you were talking about the the newspaper, talking about the Rose Garden or other stuff, can you imagine if mm-hmm. n- local newspapers still covered stuff like that? I think it would be amazing Wouldn't to be, be able like- to open up a newspaper and see, oh, well, such and such is going on vacation to the Poconos this week. And, <laughs> and the Wallace's yeah. roses are in bloom right now. Make sure to drive by. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be, that would be great. Maybe someone should start a paper like that. I think so. It's it's very interesting to read through um, the newspaper archives and see things not even that pertain to my house, but just the town in general and the things that would be reported in there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's amazing how everything used to be documented that way. Like today you feel like if you post something on social media, it's forever. But to think that if I were to go over to the neighbors for tea, that could be reported in a newspaper archive that'll be seen yep. 150 years from now. It's mm-hmm. crazy to me. Yeah. And what you wore to that tea party, too, would be also yeah. documented. Yeah. Unfortunately, no pictures in the newspaper that I've seen so far. But Right. But still, a description, flowery descriptions of, of the clothing of women, I've noticed. And um, it, I have one article about uh, dances that people went to, what they were wearing. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had to describe it more because they didn't have any photos. Right. So they had they had to get into the, the details. Anyway, yeah, I just think it's pretty it's it's interesting how we as 
humans interact with each other and document each other through time. And you're right, because now we could just go to uh, like Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or whatever and see what people are up to. Well, so how can people follow along with your journey? I am on Instagram. My username is 1764 Money Pit Makeover. I love hearing from people. I love getting direct messages and comments and people that reach out to me. And I also love to get to meet people who are both local and across the country through it. That's one great thing about it is the people, I think, you know, meeting people like you who come on and I appreciate that. So, so thank you. I'll be following along. And do you have roses still? I do not have any roses. Mm. So that's kind of another long-term goal is to landscape the property. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to pick some more local and native species. Mm-hmm. We've been dealing with a lot of invasive ivy and removing trees that are dead or diseased and then trying to keep the ones that we have healthy. So there's always something to do here, particularly there is in always the yard. To do. Yeah, the yard keeps but, going. Even if you don't do anything, things happen in the yard, which is one thing I find intriguing about the yard. Well, that's great. I'll look out for your rose pictures. Because sure. maybe someone will write about it in your local paper someday. So this is, I think, probably one of the most important projects that I have planned that I completely forgot about. But I block it out of my, my memory most of the time. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the house, after its 1800 edition, was rendered with lime stucco, with lime plaster. And over the years, there's been some Portland cement repairs here and there. There's been the new edition, which is made out of concrete. And then the flipper painted the house with latex paint. And I think this is where one of the biggest lessons that I can teach is, is do not use latex paint on historic masonry. I love the way you call him the flipper, like he's a villain in a cartoon. Whatever, the people, it doesn't even matter. They are, yes. I I would say his name, but... um, No, the flipper's good. I mean, it's like a character. Yeah. Yeah. He is a character. And I do think he's a villain. And Mm -hmm. there's some other things that have gone along with that he is a shady character he doesn't just flip houses he's involved in some other sketchy practices but he had the whole house painted with latex paint and the house had had no latex paint on it in its entire life up until 2016 and this spring we have to embark on the journey of chemically stripping the entire exterior of the house Mm. all of the lime and then steam washing it repairing all of the damage to the lime and then lime washing the exterior and so this was supposed to occur in the fall but the temperatures dropped too quickly to use the peel away on the exterior and we can't risk any more damage to the stucco by using for example high pressure washing so this is our spring project our spring summer probably fall and through next winter project will Mm. be the exterior restoration of the lime rendering on the house. Wow. Well, I'll keep I'll keep an eye out for that as well. Man. Okay. So yeah, I think you've aptly named your house. Yeah, that's that's the tip of the iceberg. But I'm sure you can only imagine what a project like that is going to cost, both in time and money, and my emotional stability. Well, you're doing a good job, and the house at the house is probably thanking you. I'm trying. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends. It is growing all the time, and I really appreciate that. 
I would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes, good or bad, or a suggestion for a new episode. Send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. Check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.